Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey guys, glad you could be back. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Today we're going to talk about getting perspective on the story you're writing, or what Lauren and I like to call going 30,000 feet, taking the 30,000 foot view. And I'm really excited to talk about this today as this is something I actively work on and... uh, struggle with a little bit is that zooming out thing not just in my writing but in my life (laughs) all right so but first first we're going to talk about uh our week or what we call adventures in screenwriting lorian how was your week uh i'm riding the struggle bus pretty hard this week um oh the struggle the struggle bus uh and i know this week is hard for a lot of people right now it's really hard to focus with what's going on in the world Uh, I watched way too much news. I got in this really bad habit of waking up in the morning and turning on the news. And then I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't pull myself away what was happening. And I was so invested in the drama. And, you know, part of being a writer is that I create narratives. So as each little bit of news was coming in, I was creating narratives in my head. So my brain was churning on that, like what could happen? What has already happened? Instead of going away and churning on my stories, which is what I needed to be doing. Um, And I know this show is about writing, but we also talk about the life of being a screenwriter. And part of it is figuring out how to still be creative and connected to your writing when world events are feel very personal and immediate and catastrophic. And so I've been very uh, affected by that. And then so that's like this big thing that's happening. But in my house, my daughter picked this week to blow out about school. She's been very good about school. She loves it. She's very motivated. But this week on the hour, I was having to deal with and manage her emotional meltdowns. So Mm. I was dealing with, you know, the world and then my kid and it just all felt really confusing and and now I get to the end of the week and I'm struggling with not feeling shame about not getting as much work done in my writing as I had planned to. And so I'm trying to really focus on, I'll try again tomorrow. You know, I, I'll try again in an hour. Um, and just giving myself the space, like it happened. I can't undo the week that I had, right? Like I can't undo that I didn't get as much done as I wanted to. And... Uh, yeah, well, Lori, and things things usually work out for things you. Things so. do really work out for me, and I will say, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're keep right. Keep the mantra. Keep the mantra. Things usually people. work out to me, and I will say, I uh, was looking at the Facebook group this morning, and people are, you know, chiming in about that phrase. And you know, last week you gave us a challenge of putting that into our sort of brains for the week, and so people were sort of talking about how it's done, and someone posted that they have another one, which is money comes easily and quickly to me. And I was like, a hundred percent, I'm adding that one. Things usually work out to me and money comes easily and quickly to me. So I'm gonna write these down on my whiteboard. And you're right, like that is a really good uh, perspective changer. Um, And again, it's that struggle of, I can't figure out for the script that I'm rewriting if I needed this break or it was an excuse. Right. There's mm. always that piece. And it's so hard for me. Um, but I can't second guess myself. I can't undo. No, because it could be both. You needed the break. And at some point it became an excuse yeah. of not being in the lava or whatever. Yeah. And then but that I, I, it's so funny. I don't think there's a, a solidified state for writing or or being a human or humaning. Um, I don't think I think it's literally constantly moving and shifting and. Uh, it's fluid, so it's both, yeah. right? It's both. Yeah, so things usually work out for me, and it'll be what it is. And, you know, when we wrap the show today, uh, I have to stay in my office and not doom scroll and not go look at the news and just work on this script. It's time, right? I can't keep putting it off. I have to dive in. And the other piece is one of the reasons I've been avoiding it is because it's scary as fuck what I'm about to do. 
right, with this script right. is that I'm about to rip it apart and put it back together. And I have to do it. It's time. And I'll probably break it and be sad and have to put it back together. And you'll text me, oh my God, it doesn't work anymore. It was beautiful <laughs> so, and people loved it. So and get it ready at about 4.30 yes. today. I'll be like <laughs> screaming, all caps. Sorry for yelling, but I'm so freaked out. I broke it. And um, yeah, so it's all or, that stuff. Or if we're going to be positive about it. Yeah. Or yes. you're going to feel like it's broken and then see something. Yes. And just go towards it. Yes. And watch but a new thing God, form. I have to admit, it's so much easier to just sit here and dread that rather than living through it. Right? It's so much easier. I wonder, though, <laughs> if that's actually true. I know that our brains tell us that that's true because it's a survival instinct. It doesn't want you to go into anything that creates panic, anxiety, you know, I like we always say, I think that sometimes your brain thinks you are going to die yes. because it feels like that. Yes. But is it actually, is it actually better to live in the tension and the dread than just do it and have it done? Yeah, you're totally right. Because I also know that the only real true escape for what's going on in the world and from my kids struggle and everything is to sit down and get lost in my script. Right is to enter that yeah. sort of that writing flow. It it really is the one place where I feel safe and in control, and where I'm actually using a part of my brain that is is magic. It's only mine, right? This is my story. So I sort of said that in a very fumbly way, but like that that is yeah, I one place I can go. Um, that so maybe yeah. what the dread is is that your some part of your brain which is normal after notes, is moving into should and have to versus the magic flow. Yeah, maybe. You know, it is really hard to, you know, the part of your brain that gets the notes is not the part that writes. So there can be, I think there's tension between those. You know, like I'm having that too where I'm writing and I, I, I really am trying to quiet the part of my brain that's like, is that good enough? And they, whoever they are, aren't going to like that. That's not good enough for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that is not, that voice isn't writing. It's right. not even capable of writing. You're totally so right. I, th- that tension is, I think, what makes you... Un- so I guess my question is, and I'm asking myself as well, is what makes you uncomfortable the tension between those two things or the actual writing? Because I think when I'm actually in the writing and flowing, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. If I didn't, what the hell am I doing this for? Yes. Right? Like, I actually enjoy that part. It's the tension of the judgment or the... Or, or the very healthy, you know, analysis that you have to do, right, mm-hmm. as part of being a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do, we, how do we move something forward because we've gotten notes that we're trying to address and still stay in flow? And, you know, I don't have a magic answer for that. Yeah. But it is, it is a muscle I think you have to grow. And the only way you grow that muscle is to do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it'd be fun. We should get some writers on here and hear the way that they do it. Somebody make a note yes. that when we have writers on, let's ask them how they manage uh, the balance between the analysis and the flow when they're rewriting. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, quickly, Meg, yeah. just, I just had my mind opened up a lot to the idea that the notes part of our brain and the generative creative part of our brain are different. Like, to me, even that feels like a breakthrough that's so helpful because when we're going back into our work with notes – we don't need to necessarily feel the obligation or the chore element of the shoulds. Instead, we can try to reposition our brain of like, okay, I got all these notes, but now I get the opportunity of the gift of all these opinions to go back in and do what I love, which is to generate and create and be back in it. So right. even just yeah. for me, that's so helpful. I mean, you know, for me, it's like, okay, the notes part of my brain, you know, is a super analysis pattern finder, blah, blah, blah. But Working, you know, I think I learned this at Pixar, really, you immediately start generating what ifs, right? Well, okay, okay, let's just play. Let's, it's a playing process, right? So you take that should, have to, notes, I'm not good enough judgment and turn it into play. So, I don't know, I'll make something off the top of my head. Okay, she's inactive. Okay, well, how could she be, how could she be more active? Well, she, maybe she's inactive because she's got this male figure who's a father figure next to her and he's really doing all the action. Okay, there's the note. Okay. Well, let's play. Let's kill him. He's not in it. He's not in the movie. He's not in it at all. What happens? Well, she could do this and she could do this. And now you're starting to get into flow. Do you see what I'm saying? You're starting to play is flow. And you're playing and you're playing. All of a sudden you're like, ooh, 
that's good, that's good. If he's dead, then she would do this and this. Oh, she, now start writing. Now just go into the flow and see where it takes you, which is why sometimes when I say open a new document, that's kind of what I mean. Like you have to open it up so the river can flow and start to move. And then you might, you know, hit a, a, a cul-de-sac, a tributary, whatever the hell it's called in water, metaphor. <laughs> like where you're like, oh shoot, this did this just changed all that, or this now took me off. So that so then go back and play again. I mean, that really is what Pixar taught me. That just go back and play. Go if you have to go all the way back to the note, go all the way back to the note and be like, okay, inactive. Killing dad does not work because I lose later this, this, and this. Okay, that didn't work. Just keep it in play. Keep it fun. Okay, so what else could we do? We could, if we don't kill dad, but he is, okay, has no legs and um, really can't do much physically because he's actually physically doing everything. Okay, so blah, 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 blah. Or let's combine dad into her character. What would that, people, by the way, that is often what your brain does when you have an inactive main character. You've actually separated out their active part into another character who's standing next to them. So a quick play is to say, put them together. If she was herself Jeannie and she was Joan and we just put Joan in and we gave all of Joan's action to Jeannie, what would happen? And so to me that kind of playing starts to help you find out what you want to do and I'm talking super rough, super play through the draft and then go in and start to really carve it in and then then you're going to discover all new things. But it's always within the context of play because that part of your brain wants to flow, it wants to play, it wants to be curious, it wants to be open and imaginative. It doesn't want the lockdown uh, of it, uh, you know, and it's keeping you active in a fun way. And I'm telling you all this because this is what I also (laughs) need to do. Because I also get locked in. I get locked in. I mean, my week is that I've been percolating a lot now percolating can be with myself on a piece of paper it can be talking to a partner um it can be talking to other people maybe who've given you notes on your barf draft you know that i try not to think of that as like getting notes there's something in that phrase even that starts to shut me down right like here's i maybe it's because i was a quote unquote good girl i was a type a i had to get a's i'm very trained to take everything that everybody else needs and like check it off so getting notes kind of messes me up because now here's your notes and versus here's perspective here's part of the play they're playing with you they're giving you information okay you know i mean obviously if you have a director that's a more uh, different kind of relationship because you are trying to um find the execution or the ideas that will get to their idea but even that should be playful right and just tossing things at that director and what about this and how about this and does that hit you and what do you think about that blah 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 blah. um so i'm in that percolating uh place um you know i you know this percolating place is very large of course when you're going from either a pitch or an outline to a script Right? Like that's a huge shift, right? Because sometimes things speak well or outline well, but then you're like, yeah, right. what was her arc again? You know what I mean? Like you start to do that kind of stuff, which you need to do because you're like, wait a minute, when I actually start executing this or putting it in a real outline versus that phony baloney pitch outline that we just had this kind of broad Don't Meg, stop like, telling the secrets. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want anyone to know. Right, when you want to go right, like now you have to actually get it into character, right, and have her move and talk and and go. You know, there's just still a lot of new discoveries to be made. And I, like we talked about, I really get that, is this good enough voice blocking me? And I really, I've got to learn to put that, that voice has a place, and I just have to tell it, your place is later, right? Like that, it's a good voice to say, wait, is this the best dramatic or fun execution of this scene? Is this the best set piece this could be? Haven't we seen this set piece before? But I'm percolating, man. Like, I am not there. Like, I just need to make sure the metaphor speaks to the emotional evolution of the character. And then I can get to good enough later where then you can play in a different pot where you're like, well, we have seen all of that, so let's reverse it. Let's do it. You know, then you can have another play session. But sometimes I get locked into... Well, it has to be great and unique and never been seen on film before right now. But then I just, for me personally, my process, I get stuck. Other writers, you might do that and it gives you a playful spirit, right? But for me, I'm just not there. So I guess I get this bifurcation going and I'm trying really hard to not bifurcate and stay down in the flow. Um, And two things that friends said to me this week I wanted to share in terms of this pot of boiling 
Um, one is one said, you know, that he once got the note that it's um, okay not to know. Hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, part of the creative process is it's okay not to know for a while and just stay there. Just stay in that not knowing. But that is actually part of the process because if you're trying too fast to grab an answer, right? And I think it depends on where you are in your process. For me right now, because I've been trying to grab answers so fast, that's a good thing for me to hear. If you're somebody who has been floating around for a while and avoiding or mucking around and playing almost too much, maybe it's the opposite for you, which is, okay, pick an answer. Just pick one, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you have to decide for yourself where you are in your process. And then another friend said to me, because I'm a little overwhelmed, not just, again, not just with the percolating and trying to now, you know, get it uh, into actual, you know, scenes and execution, but it's also, yeah, the world. <laughs> uh, it's overwhelming. And I had the same where I was watching a lot of TV news. Um, she said, you know, when you're overwhelmed by a situation, expand yourself to try to make, use your imagination. You know, we're writers. We have amazing imaginations. And we usually use those imaginations to beat ourselves up or give us worst case scenarios or tell us why we're frauds or all the other things we use our imagination for. So I just want to suggest to you that you could also use your imagination to the good, to the positive, i.e. So I'm feeling overwhelmed. And she said, use your imagination to make yourself bigger, bigger than the problem you have. And, you know, it's, it's a kind of imaginative, spiritual, I don't even know what California woo-woo thing to say, and yet it's beautiful, right? Like, which I think it goes hand in hand with things really usually work out for me, right? Mm -hmm. That phrase in and of itself is starting to, in your imagination, expand you that, of course, you can do this. You can do this. I can do this thing that's in front of me. And what if I was big enough to do it? What if I, and then you can move down that road, right? What if I was clever enough, smart enough, unique enough, blah, blah, blah. What if, how about you are? Just imagine that you are. And that really helped me. And we can talk about, we're going to talk about this in the topic. I kind of had my nose down in the knot hole of a mm -hmm. tree in terms of my own panic versus get up, get bigger than it, right? And of course, you know, when you look back at things that were really, really hard, you can see how big you were even though at the time you couldn't see how big you were. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like if you look back at something that was super hard in your life, you actually were bigger than it and powerful. And that doesn't mean you didn't get knocked on your ass, but you stood up, you kept going, you did okay, that you were bigger than it. So that's helpful to try to get perspective. Um, it's so interesting. And then the last oh, sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, it's no, so no. interesting that you say that because when you were talking about making yourself bigger, it's such a scary concept. What if you could do it? What if you were talented enough? What if you got through this? Because, uh, and this is, I think, why I struggle with the 30,000 foot thing. You know what I, that because mm. uh, when I'm in it, I'm in the moment, right? I don't know if this is like a trauma response or just like how I operate, but like I get very focused and narrow, right? Uh, mm. And sort of buzzy and panicked. Like I'm doing this right now it's hard for me to zoom out to see myself in the bigger context, right? And I think that that's translated to my writing in a way. And I know we're getting to the topic a little bit, but uh, it's such a, a powerful thing you just said. What if you were bigger than it? What if you could pull yourself out of that focus on the moment and go bigger? I I, I have to think about well, this Well, and it's a, a skill, right? Because both both of those abilities are skills to go super detailed super be present be in it is a great skill it's just are you overusing it <laughs> right so it, there's yes. nothing bad about yes that. i am it's just yeah there's another skill which is its opposite right yin and yang there's always a yin to the yang or mm -hmm. backwards i don't know yang to the yin uh, where you got to go out you got to get bigger you got to go thirty thousand feet that's also a skill mm -hmm. right and that's why we wanted to talk about it today because it's you it's funny when i say get bigger than it i literally sit up in my chair mm -hmm. and my chest opens mm -hmm. right and you do that, as our friend uh, likes to say, the Wonder Woman stance, right? Yes. With your hands on your hips and your shoulders back. But there is, you know, do it with your body. Even just move your body to feel bigger, right? This is actually going to help flow come in. When you start to feel like, oh, I don't know what to do and I'm panicked and I can't write, 
move your body because you're actually starting to concave and move in. And I'm sorry, this may be California woo-woo, but I believe you write from your whole body. You're writing from your guts. You're writing from your heart. You're right. It has to start flowing. And you know, after a good day of writing, how you feel light and you feel your body's open, right? So I think all of that can you know, trigger your reminders. Like that's a good reminder for me. Like if I'm hunched over, my shoulders are over, I'm feeling concave and tight. Am I, okay, let's, let's, let's get, let's get bigger than this. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you know, so it's just, um, it's just, you know, just cues. It's just, it's, there's a physical cue for you to, and a physical way to try to embody it, even if your brain can't go there. It's so funny. So Um, I teach my daughter this, she freaked out about some math problem. And I was like, all right, well, let's go for a walk right? Let's go for a walk. Yeah. Let's look at what's going on in the world. This is bigger than me. I'm as big as it, right? All this, I can easily teach her that, but trying to apply it to myself feels <laughs> no, I know. Please. Feels so Here I catastrophic. Am. Here I am telling you all, this is all you need to do. I have, I struggle with it, but don't, uh... no, I know, I know. So the other quick thing yeah. I wanted to say about my week is, um, you know, even while I'm in this overwhelm, and again, it's normal writing overwhelm in terms of trying to take things that are discussions, shall we say, and now put them into a a written form, an executed form, um, which, you know, takes high skill. Um, Still new ideas are coming, which is insane. Like, I literally am like, stop, brain, stop. You know, I I write them down or whatever. And then, you know, I was reading In the Sun, my favorite magazine. I know I've talked about it a lot on the Facebook group. Um, But in, In the Sun, in the Reader's Write section, this guy's talked about how he and his wife retired and they both applied for this job in Antarctica and he got it and she didn't and she was like you need to go so this like 68 year old man is in Antarctica you know climbing up a mountain with a rope and he goes under this tunnel where it goes actually under the ice and into the water and he's looking at sleeping jellyfish above him and I was like oh my god this is so cool and this could be a movie like these you know we've got all these amazing older actors who would love to do a movie and it could be a thriller he could go up there and suddenly the last person you think is going to be able to handle it is the 65 year old volunteer like my brain just starts going right and my producer brain is like oh my God, I could sell this, blah, 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 right? There's, it's a genre, it, you could get great actors, it could, you know, blah, blah. And then I had to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this for me? Like, because I used to be a producer, my brain was trained to find movie ideas and just grab them, right? But there's a very difference from being a writer, right? Like, this isn't for me as a writer. It might be for me as a producer, but at least right now I could write it could I do it yeah and I might have fun but is it my like calling and where I want to go no is it masterpiece series no whatever no it isn't I mean it you see how it could be if you go back in time and you make it an adventure (laughs) but do you see how my British accent I know right like I I had to be careful because I I, you know some people aren't this but I am a collector I am just constantly collecting shiny rocks on the beach so okay there's a little shiny rock I'm going to put it away. I'm going to, you know, maybe someday bring it out and it'll be the perfect time to do it. Or I can literally say, huh, that's not for me and just let it go so that I can keep my energy focused on what I want. And I think my brain does that because it just naturally does that. I am a, I do literally pick up rocks on beaches. I literally do that. Um, my husband, they're all over the house. My (laughs) husband is just like, get a jar. Like they're just everywhere. Um, but I also think there's a chance it could be because I'm feeling overwhelmed. I know that sounds crazy, but it's more fun to think about the new idea that you can just be pitching in broad terms and have all the blue sky versus now go do this thing of actually take that blue sky and make it work. This is the writing process. Take the blue sky and all those conversations and make it work and make it better than anybody expects it to be. Like that's the work. So my brain is trying to go over in blue sky. Like, you know, I meet writers and they're like, I have 25 first drafts. And I'm like, okay, there is a new craft step for you, right? Which is stay on one until it's rewritten three times, right? Because that's writing, right? So I, I, and I think because I declared what I wanted in terms of my masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> you can't so go back now. Brain, no, my brain was like, what else could we do? Like, it's so <laughs> scary to say what you want because, God, what if you got it and failed? Like, it is. It just starts to, mm-hmm. to roll. So, mm-hmm. um, 
the last thing I'll say is I, I came across this phrase. I don't even remember now where I saw it this week because it's all been such a crazy week. But um, I think it was somebody talking about meditation, which I can't do, by the way, and I barely, rarely attempt it. But it's but I get like I get email blasts about it because why not read about meditation if you can't do it? At least I can read about it. And um, it said meditation. People think it's about improving yourself, but it's actually your practice being yourself. And that's probably why I cry anytime, like, okay, let's meditate. Okay, I close my eyes, and then in like 10 seconds, I'm weeping, right? Okay, well, you might need to meditate then. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought that was a beautiful phrase, practice being yourself. That that's what life is. You're just practicing being yourself. What is yourself? It's always changing. It's always evolving. I'm crying. And it's just practice. It's just practice. Nothing solid, nothing solidified. Uh, it's just practice. And again, that just kind of opens it up for me. This is just play. This is just yeah. practice. This is just fun. Um, but I think and, that's and so important to think about that way because the the script is always going to evolve and change, right? You get it to just yeah. the right perfect place. You give it to your manager. Your manager has notes. You get it to just the right perfect place. Let's say you sell it into development. Okay, now you have a whole nother series of notes. Then, you're, then you cast it. Ooh, I got to rewrite it for this new actor who's given me all this new ideas and juice right and so that part is like you have to the practice of living in that world and being it just it's just a really interesting idea all that sort of connected I'm not very articulate today I'm sorry (laughs) I I, like it's to the basic point of like I look at my phone and I want to go to an app and it takes me like I don't know, way longer than it should to identify the app and push the button like I'm just my brain is tired I'm tired, right? I'm. You might, you're tired. You might yeah. be a little dissociative too. What me? Dissociative? What are you talking about? Well, when you can't do that, when you're like, I can't even. Like, yes. I remember when I was so dissociative under pressure in New York when I was in advertising that I stood in the in the grocery store and I was looking and I started to cry because I couldn't decide which ginger ale brand to buy. Oh, it I, was yes. too much. It was too much. You know that you're you're a little bit uh, dissociative yes. and overwhelmed. I had that with I a potato. With, a potato in the grocery store, yeah. right? The world yeah. events are, are kind of uh, taking up a lot of headspace, I think. Yeah. So uh, I've been and, riding and my bike every day, right? Like I'm that's tr- good exercise helps. I'm trying, but yeah, I think I think that's what it is, and I think that's why I feel like I'm on the struggle bus because it's yeah, yeah. That we're in that's survival. easy to get yeah. over, no problem. Yeah, and I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> uh, people storming the Capitol and COVID. Yeah, we might all be in survival a <laughs> and homeschool. And, and homeschool. And when and are we going to get the vaccine? And... and like all of it, you know, like it's a, uh, yeah. And also, I will say, I really resent that everything is affecting me that way. Like, you know, I, I want to be the person that can handle everything, right? Like I've been in some high pressure work situations, right? Like huge projects. Yeah, I have seen it. Depending on me and and I can do it. But then, you know. I would go to the bathroom and cry and my lips turned blue because I was so stressed, right? There's like this, I right. I want to be bigger and better than that. And yet I can only handle so much. I'm human. And like- it, any hu- any person can only handle so much. I mean, yeah. not everybody in lockdown and especially here in LA, because that's what I know and how stressful it is here. And, you know, I mean, think about it. Every little thing we're doing, and whether this is in the show or not, Jeff, you can decide. <laughs> you know, every little thing we're doing has an edge of danger on it. You know, I'm getting my groceries delivered because I think it's too dangerous to go to the grocery store here in L.A. Amazon Prime is for free grocery delivery. I'll take it. Uh, but now I'm like, do I touch all this stuff? I'm constantly worried about t- washing my hands. And, and then I'm worried about the person out. that grocery shopped for me, right? Like That's what I mean. Putting like, them at risk. To, well, yeah. Well, yeah, well then, oh my God, now he just made, gave me a new thing to worry about. But anyways, it's very yes. hard to be creative and in the flow and play if you're in survival. Yeah. But let's try to make our writing a safe spot. You know, let's put a little golden bubble around it that this is a place to play. You're safe. You're safe no matter what you write today. You're safe no matter what comes out. You're safe and will thrive. Let's, not, let's move past safety. Let's go on to thriving that in this golden bubble, you will thrive and have fun and be open. Let's open up. I literally am sitting up. I'm sitting up. Me too. And, and you'll breathe. And you'll breathe. If you, if you find yourself not breathing, that's a good sign. You're in survival because let's just have fun. Let's just, let's just spend next week, no matter what the hell happens out there, uh, to, in our little golden bubble for at least a few hours a day of having fun 
um, and getting into the flow. We can all commit to that. Um, so let's talk Jeff. about, oh, Jeff, yeah. yeah, sorry. How was Jeff, your week? Let's talk about the show and how your week was and did we get our reviews? You know, <laughs> we did get some amazing <laughs> reviews this week. And, Yay. Um, you know, it's just we so... love reviews, right, Meg? We do. We love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really do. The thing we love about them is even if we are still, you know, managing that writerly tendency of feeling uncomfortable with praise, um, <laughs> we love connecting with you. That's yeah, what's that's so special about the reviews yeah. is it's a chance to actually hear from you guys. And um, guys and girls, it's just so you all know, it's the Midwestern thing in me when I say you guys. Yeah. I am referring to you guys and you girls. Yeah. That's like enculturated in me and I'm trying to get out of it. But I've actually, I've become a fan of the y'all lately. I feel like we need to bring y'all, y'all back. Okay. I feel like well, y'all is all, right? Um, all genders, all yeah. identifying I know. people. Right. I know. Y'all, we love your reviews, y'all. I can't do it. <laughs> we love y'all's reviews. I'm from the Midwest. Um, I'm going to say you guys. I know. It's like, it's cooked into me. But either way, we hit 200, which Yay! is so exciting. So um, very exciting. I know that was a goal for us for last week and y'all delivered. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to start with this review from Somewhere99 who says, it is my daily dose of inspiration. I'm so thrilled to have found this podcast. From their down-to-earth personalities to their depth of knowledge of the writer's experience, I have found some great nuggets in every episode. Sometimes it feels like they're in my head and that only helps me feel more like a legitimate writer. I savor each episode as a new part of my writing routine and feel more energized and motivated each time I sit down to write. So thankful wow. to all, right. and I'm so thankful to have found the screenwriting life. That's so great. Um, I mean, what else? I mean, you know, we're, again, we're doing this for free in our time, and that's why, right there. That's why yep. we're doing it, that you feel inspired, you feel that supported. That's, that's why we're doing it. So let us know if, if you're feeling that way. I'll read one more quickie. This comes from Rockstha, spelled R-O-C-K-S-T-A-A-H, who says, this is a must listen for any film or TV writer. I started listening to The Screenwriting Life a few months ago at the recommendation of a friend. I find it to be a wonderful blend between the challenges and complications of being a writer, a writer, or even wanting to be a writer and quieting the inner critic, or whatever it is that prevents them and us from going to do the work. I love the fact that Meg, Lorian, and Jeff are so honest about their work and process and whatever keeps them going as they discover more about themselves and the process along the way. Personally, I think they utilize mindfulness techniques without getting overly wrapped up in or even using that language. It's really great feedback. Yeah, that is great Thank feedback. You. We might be. Again, I cannot meditate. so And I'm I have a mindful, very visceral but... reaction to the word mindfulness, so not, I'm not doing it on purpose, but <laughs> I get it. But I actually yeah. think we are. I think it's a really good uh, observation uh, that Rockstar made. <laughs> so thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much for uh, pointing that out. Because, um, yes, I mean, to me, mindfulness is being get back centered. You know, center yourself. Get back to your, your authentic self. Center your power in yourself. So, yes, I will embrace it. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, should we do our, to- our topic? I feel like we really sort of already started talking about it. We started yeah. it. I do think we should say, I want to say up mm-hmm. front, though, that the 30,000-foot view um, phrase uh, comes from Andrew Stanton. Now, whether he got it from somebody else, I don't know. But that's where I heard it from. Um, I heard it in, in Pixar Brain Trust. We would all be at the stage of spitballing after this stage of um, take it apart or here's all our problems or here's what doesn't work. Um, here's what we didn't get. Um, and then you would hopefully at the brain trust second half start moving into, uh, well, how could it work? And you'd start brainstorming. And that was always the most fun. Um, and sometimes Andrew would start to um, sometimes bang on the table, sometimes not. Uh, 30,000 feet up, people, let's go. 30,000 feet up because we were getting too lost in the weeds is a, is a metaphor people use. Or I like to think of my nose in the knothole of a tree and... Uh, you, you, you've lost all perspective. Um, and, you know, that 30,000 foot view at Pixar was about going back to, you know, why are we doing this movie? What is this about? That might be structure. You might want to go up and zoom up and look at the overall structure. But that structure is going to ultimately be character, is ultimately going to be theme. Um, you know, 30,000 foot up could be him saying, you know, why do I fucking love this character? Why do I fucking love them, right? Why do I want to follow this person? What about them? 
right? Why? Why is it? How are they active? How are they? You know, and now that's a really great question to suddenly you know get yourself up out of the weeds of the execution. Um, and it's one that I, you know, since I heard him say it, have been carrying with me in a good way, you know. Now, another, you know, 30,000 foot view that you can take um, and you might take with a producer or a manager or an agent is, okay, what, how are we selling this? Like, that's really high up, right? Let's call that 60,000 feet. You're going way up. Like, what's the poster? How are you selling it? Who's your audience, right? Some writers want to think about that. Some don't. That's your call. Some, if it doesn't help you, don't think about it because you've got hopefully and will get if you don't have it yet. People on your team, producers who are going to think about that. I mean, once you get into big studio movies that you're writing, you kind of do have to think about it because it is part of the process. Um, so, but for you know, for for this podcast and what we're talking about, I think we're talking about the thirty thousand foot view. Is okay. Let's pull thirty thousand foot up on the character. What? Who is she? What is she doing? Why do we love her? What what thematic is she struggling with for the series or for this episode? Um, so that's just, I just wanted to, you know, it's a 30,000 feet is about perspective. Mm-hmm. It's about getting perspective. It's about ways to see it. Now, notes are another ways to see it, right? They're, they're way out, right? They're, they're because they don't know anything about it. They're just taking it in and notes are just another way to get perspective. But 30,000 feet is another way to give yourself perspective as, you know, as you're doing it. Um, and some people are really good writers at going 30,000 feet and they get stuck up there, right? Like they just want to keep talking big picture and other writers, it's super hard. They, they find their writing comes from being down in it, being down in the details, being down in the fun of the moment in that dialogue exchange. I think my husband is this kind of writer and, um, you know, for him, the challenge becomes how to get a 30,000 foot view without panicking. Right, because his comfort zone is down in the details. So I, I was just doing this with him this morning on on something he's working on, and he w- I could see his face shift because he he didn't really <laughs> want to go thirty thousand feet. And I was like, I am not trying to mess up your process. If you're going to say to me right now that going thirty thousand feet messes up your process, let's not do it. And he was like, No, no, okay, let's do it, let's do it. Like I was literally like, taking yeah. like a breath, like okay. Um, and you know, my process is to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I go 30,000 feet, I have cards on my wall, and I have a basic shape. And then as I go into the details and fun of it, and I realize that shape doesn't work at all because this is a much more fun one. Or, I shit, it's just making me write stuff that I think I've written before and people have seen before. It's not giving me what I need. It's not something's missing. Shit, I got to go back up 30,000 feet, you know. And so for me, it's a back and forth, back and forth. It can get a little dizzying mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. and forth, but I find I go back and forth all the time. So that's when, when we say 30,000 feet, I just wanted to um, define it. I mean, I mean, you know, Lauren, do you have another No, I think that's right. Um, I, you know, I heard it at Pixar too. I was in it. Right, I, watching it all happen. Right. Uh, I think though, it's one thing though to witness other people doing it. Uh, and hearing us yeah. talk about it, and another thing to sort of understand where your skills are and how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Meg, you and I worked on a project a couple years ago, and you know, it was my turn to take a pass at I don't know what was at the outline, and I think I spent all day, and I went so far deep into the details, right? Like little exchanges of dialogue, because that's my comfort zone. I love dialogue. I love scene work, right? That's where I have the most fun and I'm the most comfortable. And, you know, I, I spent all day and and then, you know, we were talking about it and you were like, let's zoom out to 30,000 feet on this. And I think it broke my brain. Like, because I'm also, <laughs> you know, I want to get it right. I want to be, you know, A plus. And it wasn't that I felt like I disappointed you. It was more like, how am I not understanding this on this project, right? Mm. How, and uh, and I think it was it was answering those big questions, right? Theme, what is this about? Who is this character? What are they after? Because I can get so lost, and it's not lost. I'm not lost in the details. No, yeah, it is not my lost. path. Because yeah. when I started writing, I didn't start from writing uh, outlining. I just would sit down and write, and I wrote longhand. 
on a notebook, on yellow legal mm -hmm. pads, right? So for me, the power comes in actually writing the scenes and writing the dialogue. This is how I started. So learning how to zoom out is a was a new set of skills I had, a new skill I had to learn. And well, it's funny because I'm a producer, so I learned ah. the other way, because I'm a producer having to be, hold that 30,000 foot view for the writer, right? Mm -hmm. And um, ask those 30,000 foot view questions because we're going into an executive who's at 30,000 feet, if not higher, right? Who has to, that executive has to go into their boss and tell them why we should make the movie. You right. know, like all those things are a producer's context. Producers can go down into the details, but a lot of them, if not most of them, do stay up at the 30,000 foot view. That's what you right. need. Um, but my brain has been trained that way. So I actually have to work on allowing myself to give it up and say, whatever happens, happens. Let's have fun and let her drive the car, right? Like, I know we pitched it this way, but what if we did it that way? Because let her drive, let her, because that's how you are going to get to unique right. things. So I think there's no right, right. or wrong here. It's just being able to do right. both. And I uh, and have it's the interesting how I approach a project and for different people this different like if I'm doing a script I get I get in the details very quickly right I just write I can barf it out right 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 when I'm doing a pitch I I understand how to come at it from the from that higher uh, view right so it's interesting how right. you can get those skills but also to your point about producers it is that you need both skills I think but working with people who maybe complement you uh, in a different mm, way, I yeah. think can be really good. Yes, you need to have both, right? We're writers. We have to understand how the movie all works together. If you're doing a TV series, you absolutely have to understand the bigger picture, the arcs in each episode, the arcs in each season, right? What's, What's the, the engine, engine of, the of the show? Which is your favorite phrase, right? The Lori. engine of the show. I'm like, the engine of the show is that I'm writing it. Um, you know, uh, so uh, I'm the engine. I am the engine, right? That's that's what I like to say, and it's the wrong answer. Um, but, you know, finding those people. So, you know, working with you has always been such a gift because I learn so much every time. You know, even if I go home and uh, have a little, you know, cry in the shower because I something I realized I didn't know yet, right? I think that's really hard. Um, but, you know, I feel like we were good partners in that way. So finding people around you who have, you know, are maybe better at different things. It's not... We're not expected well, to be perfect yeah, but, and know everything perfectly. No, no. Well, you can't right. be, especially, you know, even super experienced writers know what yes. they're good at. And those are the jobs they take and that's the jobs they get hired for. And generally, that doesn't mean that writers can't write a lot of different genres. I'm not saying to narrow them down, but everybody doesn't do everything, right? Um, some writers are really, really good at character and working with big actors and know how to talk to them and know how to translate what those big actors do. And, to, you know, there's all kinds of, of talented and uh, writers. But, you know, it's interesting because I also think the 30,000-foot view sometimes can show a blind spot, um, meaning you might need someone to go take you up into that 30,000-foot view with you. Um, so, for example, what is the engine? This phrase came out of, <laughs> well, yeah, because the phrase came out of being in a brain trust. Well, what's a brain trust? It's big brains sitting around trying to figure it out, and he's asking us, he's asking all those brains to go to thirty thousand feet to get a look at it, so we can talk about it, right? Always within the context of what the director wants, but it might show a blind spot in that you didn't see it until you got up that high, right? Or maybe you didn't see it until you went down into the details and executed. It can be either way, but sometimes taking this 30,000 foot view is good to do mm -hmm. with somebody who you've read it and you can literally say, read this and this is what I need from you. I, I know you're gonna have all these notes, write them down, send them to me later, but what I need right now is a 30,000 foot view and I need to talk it through. I was talking to my husband today and he was like, listen, my process is I know it because I say it out loud to you. It's like when you share your worries with a friend and all of a sudden as you're talking, you're like, oh, right, that's what I'm really worried about. Sometimes you just need to, if that's your process and you just need to talk it out to get there, then get a friend, tell them you want a 30,000 foot view, which could mean what genre are you doing? What is the thematic meaning emotionally? What is this about? What does your character learn? How do they evolve what is their cathartic moment at the end of act two and how does that theme then create an arc for them meaning what they can not do in act one that they can do in act three whatever questions those bigger much bigger questions um, down into structure is your structure off do you have an engine that's clicking over and giving it to you 
I also think the 30,000 foot view, if you're doing certain genres, or are you delivering on that genre, right? Are you, you know, and, and that can be a scary thing. I don't think you should be thinking about that while you're down flow. I think flow should be mm -hmm. flow, right? Unless, of course, that helps you. But your 30,000 foot view is, you know, could this be better, right? Like, God, how many times did we talk at Pixar about, this is a fun scene. Is this the best version of this scene? Is this the best it can be? And then churning it around again, right? Um, and there, it was playful. It wasn't judgmental. It was very playful. Um, uh, you know, it was slightly intimidating given the people in the room. Um, but it was all, the intention was always very playful um, and always kind of creative and supportive. And that's the person I hope you go to for your 30,000 foot view um, because that's what you need. Um, and if you go to the 30,000 foot view and your answer is, I don't know. Why do I fucking love this character? Shit. I don't fucking love this character. <laughs> Dang it. All right. Time to go back to play. Right. And literally, don't, this is where I'm, don't go back to your script if you're asking those big questions. You know, when I say to you, open a blank script, this is what I'm talking about, whether I, you know, you physically open a blank one or not. If you don't fucking love your character, can you let it all go until you play enough and spitball enough to find I fucking love this character. If your character is not active enough and you agree with that note, okay, let it all go. Let it all go. Look for clues in, in what you've got, right? Again, characters you can put into other characters or whatever, and you gotta let it all go and say, okay, how, just for play, how could they be more active from a 30,000 foot view, right? And knowing that might mean the arc changes, that might mean Shoot, I thought I was writing a film about redemption, but what the hell, that's a really big word. What about redemption? What's specifically about redemption? Um, and where is that in the script, right? Where is that? Because the people who come to read your script will be in that view. Great writers, um, you take them down with the details down into the script, right? And you, you're lowering them from the 30,000 foot view down into the story. Right? That's when people say it was a really fun read. That's a great, that's a great response, right? Your details have taken them out of that 30,000 foot view and put them down into the story. Um, but you might need help uh, getting that view. It should be a fun thing. Please let it be a fun thing with your friend that you're getting that 30,000 foot view. Um, Lauren, what, what other things do you think, you said you sometimes struggle with this. What are other struggles that you have so we could maybe think of exercises people um, could do? That's a really good question. I think uh, for me it's um, be the because I love dialogue so much. It's uh, the bigger things are uh, making sure it's a TV show. I've been writing a lot of TV, right? It's the engine. It's making sure right. that the there's a clear narrative drive for the main character, right? That's gonna feed mm. that pilot, that's gonna feed every episode of the show and that's gonna feed the season, right? It's gonna be that you can do that elevator pitch right. of it, right? I tend to be mm. very wordy. I use a lot of words to say a very simple idea um, to articulate that stuff. It's, I think for me, it's, I have to figure it out in the script. So in order to write the outline, right? I think that's I, right. I like, those big movements in an outline, you know, a well, you know, like a story area where you say like, right. she's, you know, act one is about this. I, I want to go into the script and write it out to figure it out instead of. Well, especially when you're talking about a pilot and a whole show, that makes yeah. total sense. I mean, eventually when you've got that clicking and you know her yes. well enough, I don't think you will have to do that. But for sure in a pilot, you might have yeah. to write a lot of scenes. And so that's. And I, and I have this feeling that, uh, and here's again that thing, like here's what I should be able to do, right? Um, instead right. of, no, this is my process, right? That, that because right. I'll have to sit and write and write and write and figure out, oh, this is what it's about so that I can articulate, you know, in the pilot, this is what it's about. This is the big arc of mm. it. Rather than I see some other people who can just be like, this is what it's about, which is funny because I can do that in a pitch document if I'm not writing the, like I have these, competing <laughs> skill right. sets that well you were a producer yes, too, right so, so um, I think the big thing for me in terms of 30,000 foot view is giving my space giving myself the space to just accept where I am and that I need to allow myself to continue to grow through practice rather than wanting to wanting to or wanting to believe that I'm not good enough and that I should be at a certain level you know that 
where I am. Right. So for me, it's again, here's where we are with the mindfulness. It's a mindset of I'm sort of being myself where I am. Um, but also I think it's and there, asking. There is a lot yeah, of. It's asking it's those asking. questions that you're asking. Why do I fucking love this character? What is this about? What is the theme? It's sort of understanding what those big questions are to ask for myself and then knowing who to go for to ask those specific questions, right? Like every reader is good at something else, right? They're going to bring something and knowing when to bring that work to the person who's going to help me with the 30,000 foot. When, you know, sort of making those decisions. And I'm, I'm fairly good at it, but again, it's embracing what my skills are, what my process is, and then being willing to push into, I, I don't know everything about this. You know, 30,000 foot is always, I think, going to be a little crackly for me um, or not. I mean, I'm I'm uh, working on a show with uh, a, a creator and I'm the showrunner. It's not hard for me at all to, to look at the 30,000 feet because I'm coming at it as a well, producer. Well, it's never hard to look at somebody else's. Yes, that's a- well, yeah. because, I mean, let's talk about that because the 30,000 foot view, like I said, it's blind spots, right? Like you are writing this for an emotional, psychological, spiritual reason, right? To express something and it's personal. Uh, doesn't mean it's autobiographical. I don't mean that. I mean, it's personal to you. Um, so therefore, something probably, and I'm not talking about you now, Lori, and I'm saying the, 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 the general you there is something that is probably in your unconscious that is trying to make its way to the surface. That there's a perspective change, there's a consciousness that is trying to push through. So it's tricky because you can't see it because it's still unconscious. And somehow the beauty of writing, and it may be down in the details, is going back and saying, okay, I took the 30,000 foot view and she's not active. I'm just using this one because this is the one I always talk about. Um, okay, then what, that's where I think play is so important because it's just playing. So that that thing that's unconscious, that's afraid to come into the conscious brain or all the mechanisms keeping it down in your unconscious brain can let loose a little bit because you aren't going to die if, it, if you see it. You're not going to die. It's okay. And to allow it, to come up into your consciousness and it's not something that it can be done with that analysis brain it's only you know it's through the action what how beautiful is that it's through the actions of the character let her take it right you don't want to take it right now let her take it let her do whatever it is you and your personal life aren't doing let her do it let her show you she doesn't die let her show you yep crazy shit happens uh but she's okay you know, so maybe it's another way to think of it is that's the lava coming up, right? That's the 30,000 foot view can show you the, the blind spot, but then we're talking about going back down into the lava and letting the character do some things, no matter how you judge that. Like sometimes I think people are like, oh, that's that's so cliche. I'm like, oh, is there a little lava under there? Are you afraid of that cliche action? Maybe, maybe not. Um, whatever resistance comes up, um, it's... It, it's okay. And, you know, a lot of times after the 30,000 foot view, I have to say the next version doesn't work. Right. Uh, because there is some bumps in the landing back down into the details and you've lost a big piece or shoot, I thought that this great note from this person in the 30,000 foot view, but guess what? It's not my show. It's not my script. It's good. It's a good note, but it took it off track. So I got to go back And it is that balance, right, of finding that sweet spot of having gotten that view, but now back into the river, right, back into the flow of it. Because, you know, I just think the more personal you make it, the more true, the more authentic. You know what? I'm changing my answer. I am good at Uh 30,000 feet, and I am good at the detail. Like, I so easily and happy to give myself no credit. I don't know why I do this, right? Like... I say I'm bad at this. Well, because if you do it first, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a defense mechanism. Because yes. if you yes. if you don't give yourself, then no credit, one else can right? call it out for me. But you know what? I'm great. Yeah, I'm a fantastic That's writer. Right. I'm great at both. There you go, girls. <laughs> there you go. You are good at both. I was being quiet because I was like, huh? I I've seen her do both. Uh, so you know, I have I to know. stop it. I have to knock it off. I'm just disappointed with myself. So yeah, I'm terrible at this. Well, fuck that. Fuck it, Meg. 
It, Fuck it. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's, it's not hard. hard. Yeah. It's hard, but I can do it. Okay, it's yeah. hard and challenging. I don't care what who you are, how famous a writer you are. It's challenging. Everybody goes through the up and down and the... And yeah, the I think and that's the, it. It's challenging. Bumps. I have to work my brain to get there, but ugh, I'm great at it. <laughs> and I think it's not as um, it's not as naturally fun, right? That's part of it too. I feel like sometimes right. pulling way out and having this big picture thing, like it's really fun to get into a scene and uh, punch up the dialogue. Like that's just more fun. Not for I, me, at least for me. Not for me. I guess it depends on who you are. I kind of identify yeah. with you, Lori, in that like I love scene work. I love dialogue, and sometimes pulling way out, it just feels less. Well, fun then you see the blind spots. Bigger. Then you see, oh, there's so much more work to do, and I actually yeah. don't get to use this scene I just worked on for three days. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think that's it too. Like, that's what I'm realizing in my script yeah. right now. I think, I, you know, from the beginning, I've been saying about the script, there's this opening scene I wrote that I have labored over and rewritten, I don't know, 40 times. I'm not kidding. And what I have to do today is cut that scene. And I always knew I would have to as I've been working on it. I was like, this yeah. scene has to go. But I love it so much. And I'm like, you know what? It got me where I needed to go. I learned what I needed to learn. And now I have to cut it. It'll come but back. But it's that's the 30,000 foot view is that this scene is now, I don't need it anymore. And it makes me mad. But, you know, I, you know, I, I have to put it away. I have to move it. So, you know, I think that's part of it too. You know, it's like seeing, seeing those pieces where you're like, I have to be a grown up. That's what it is. When I do the 30,000 foot view, I have to be the grown up, right? The play, the fun is digging up the muck. That's play. And then, all right, let's, put some structure in order and what are the rules and you know how do I you know let's clean up the living room now we had our fun all right let's clean up right that's what it feels like (laughs) (laughs) that's my terrible metaphor for the day I would say that is a great metaphor to end on it is that's our topic in a nutshell clean up the living room people you've had your fun and then go back and have more fun yes and that is parenting too right It's never clean. It's never clean. Um, no, it's never clean. All right, question of the week from a listener who wrote on, uh, on email. Do you want to read you it? You can read it. Um, this is from Megan Simpson. Hi, Lorian and Meg. I have a question um, about starting a new draft. Meg often speaks about starting each new draft as a page one rewrite and opening a new blank document. Do I understand you correctly? Because I am keen to know your take when you are writing a late draft for producers and a studio, and there are detailed notes about what we have all agreed to change. I know the other things uh, off the list might need to ripple to implement those changes, but I am wondering if I start a new blank document and change a lot of things that are not on the agreed list, will that drive them all insane? (laughs) And then she's doing a feature adaptation uh, uh, so her question is, do you start a new document, but just retype the things that you are going to leave because everyone likes them? Or are you actually changing everything every draft? So it is, if you have a studio and producers involved and you're really into those late drafts, I mean, here's the question, Megan, that I don't know is, is it a late draft for them or you? Meaning, because you say I, um, it's a it's an adaptation you took over as a writer two drafts ago, um, but it's been in long development before that. That's always tricky, right? Because often things in long development, they there are things they like, right? It's why they wanted to do the movie. Especially if a studio's on board, I'll tell you the producer's gonna be super protective of the things that made the studio say yes. Super protective, as they should be because, but as a writer, haha. Uh, I believe if they, this thing has been in long development, uh, there's something wrong down in the bottom of it. Because why has it been in long development now? So if you had just come on the project and it's been in long development, yes, I think it's a take it all down, take the house down, figure out the new foundation and rebuild it, open a new draft. You may have to retype the scenes, the three scenes that they love because you as part of the workmanship and the job that you've been given is take down the whole house but leave the family room right now if the family you know it can't be a bedroom on the second floor because that ain't never going to work but uh you know yeah you can occasionally yeah you can leave a scene um or two if that's the call to action and that's the job you've been given 
but you've but you're saying you're two drafts in to this so i have to assume you've already done that you've already taken the thing in long adaptation and at least for yourself opened it up let everything go even the scary bits and really found a new base a new engine a new approach of why it hasn't hit yet why has this adaptation not worked yet it's something core so if you've done that and you figured out the core thing and everybody agrees and now you're two drafts in and they are truly giving you detailed page notes and you're at that stage if that's a true stage then yes you will be going in and doing those page notes and checking the ripples and not retyping all of it because that's a much later stage when you are doing that I just always talk about it in a bigger way because most writers you're not getting to that stage for years right where you're really taking that apart especially what I mean I mean young or emerging writers you're taking this engine apart because you're learning to be the mechanic you're learning to build these engines so I want you to have the freedom to do that I want you to have the the, the clean slate to do that um, you know at Pixar after a screening there might been a scene or two that people loved um, like the dinner sequence in Pixar stayed you know forever it was the it was uh, Pete's um, proof of concept and it did stay I did try to change some of the dialogue but uh, I never got it through um, but you know so it stayed and then my job is to build a you know put it in and make sure it's flowing organically as part of where Riley is right that's the most important thing for me in terms of okay we've we've changed all this and we Joy and Riley where are they in this dinner scene and does it make sense everything that's happening so you as a writer will have those um jobs and again so if you're late in the process and you, they literally are a list but be careful be careful I don't know how many times this has happened to me where you're going through and you're doing these and you're you get to that last one and you're like oh wait if I really look at this note the note under the note is we don't like the main character that's a very big note that is an engine note and to me great writers are able to go back to them and say listen I'm, I've done all this, it's great, but this note right here, it's bigger. And here's how I'm gonna do it. Uh, you don't panic, nobody panic. Here's the solution. We gotta change this, 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 and this. Because you don't like the main character. That's a problem. That's what we talked about. Why do I fucking love this character? You know, so just be a little bit careful with those kind of quote unquote detailed notes. Um, but no, if you're that late in the process, I'm not expecting that you're opening it and retyping stuff. I mean, you know, it would be a great exercise to do because you might find out how much things really do ripple and change, but that's really up to you. So that's what I would do. Lorian, any, any input? Uh, no, I think what you said there? though about if it is big, like um, I, they don't like the main character, or, you know, the main character isn't in active. I think it's that sort of, checking in with the producer, having a conversation about it, pitching your idea and getting buy-in before you go and make those changes so that right. they can feel in on it and put any input in. Yeah. Oh, I really like this part. You know, so you get a little more perspective from them as well about what they're looking for so that before you go yeah. and do that work, especially the late stage kind of thing, it's always sort of with big stuff like that, it's really important to communicate and not just go off and, you know, make a big change right, like right, that right. Um, they're on your side the and producers you know, on your team they want you to succeed so communicate with them and you know the other version of this that when you're a writer in Hollywood you can get what's called a weekly where they pay you a lot of money to in a week or two rewrite the whole script now when I say rewrite the whole script I mean they're coming to you and saying this doesn't work because we don't like the main character and we don't emotionally care about the journey right this can happen in uh, development this can happen in prep of the movie ie the actor just called and said they don't like their part oh my god they're the lead of the movie I've done that one this can happen in post where they're looking at the movie and starting to build the special effects and realizing oh my god we don't care about her and we don't care about emotionally about this movie so I literally took one where they were like okay we have enough money to reshoot two and a half scenes make us care about her and her journey 
and you can write any dialogue on the back of their heads. But you can touch nothing that has special effects in it. And you know, I just see it as a party game. Like it's a challenge, it's like a story challenge, right? So you go in and I looked for anything that was emotional and there was a scene at the end of the movie and there were scenes that were emotional um, but there was a scene at the end of the movie that was very, that could be very emotional. It should be, why isn't it? Oh, it's because it wasn't set up in act one. If I do this setup in act one, it's gonna look like we changed a lot because it's all there, it just hasn't been set up. They, in trying to go for the joke or whatever they did, I don't remember, they took out the, this cornerstone of the theme and the emotion and why she's doing it and what's emotional to her and why we want her to win. They kind of, it got so muddied down. Again, I think people are afraid of it being quote unquote earnest or too emotional, or whatever. And, but in doing that, they lost the whole trail. So it got really surgical and I rewrote two and a half scenes and a couple of dialogue here and here. And um, So, you know, that's another version of this where you're asking huge questions, but you have to be super surgical so in how you do it. So that's the 30,000 foot view, fun. right? And then how you... Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, take the thirty thousand foot view. I mean, you know, it's a fun thing. Like, how, I, 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 it's a, it would be a fun thing to say to my son who loves movies. Like, you don't like that movie? Okay, fix it. You can change two and a half scenes. What would you change? You know, it'd be a good, uh, a good educational tool. Um, all right, so that is uh, our show. Thank you all so much for being with us here today again. Um, please go to the Facebook page or our Gmail account if you are uh, off Facebook and let us know what you need. Any questions you have, uh, we're here. Yeah, and if you do uh, want to join the Facebook page, just remember to answer the two very easily answerable questions because we're only letting people in who answer those two questions, uh, which are who are the hosts of The Screenwriting Life and what's your favorite movie? <laughs> uh, and remember, uh, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.